faithwire.com. Bob Woodward's new book claims a general in the United States military told Chinese officials that they'd call him before any theoretical military actions against China. It's causing quite a stir. We'll have the details on that and more. Today's Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros, and this is the 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. And I want to welcome in all the regular listeners from the CBN News Daily Rundown. We've joined forces with them. We're here every Wednesday. We do four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. And don't forget, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Go ahead and do that. Leave a review, all the fun stuff. We're here Monday through Friday going through all the news of the day. We'd love to have you here with us. I mean, look, it's a crazy world out there. Trey Gons Phillips from faithwire.com. And uh, look, it, it can't hurt to have some sane people to walk through the news with every day. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like we're giving ourselves a compliment, I guess, calling ourselves. <laughs> but, I well, mean, but I guess in the end of the day, it's kind of like, it's relative. How, how high is the bar? If it's, that's true. It's a pretty low bar there. It's a pretty low but, bar these um, days, yes. So, you know, it's good to talk about the stories, to get to know what's going on, and to be able to kind of laugh at them, too, because if, sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying. Um, <laughs> So, but coming up on the podcast, we're going to talk about an Ohio mayor who told uh, this week the entire school board to resign or face charges after claiming that child pornography was part of a class. Mm. So, the details there, it's pretty disturbing. Uh, then, Norm McDonald, uh, he had kind of an interesting journey with faith. He kind of vacillated between Judaism and Christianity, but he had a lot of good things to say about Christianity. Yeah. So, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then, a Hillsong member just won The Voice in Australia. Uh, which is a pretty good way to end the podcast, I think. Yeah, yeah, some actual positive news. Always always yeah. good to sneak in some positive news in there because it does exist from time to time, believe it or not. It's not a unicorn. <laughs> All right, story number one. The Joint Chiefs of Staff, they're in some big-time hot water. Here's three things you need to know. Starting with number one, the details. That's General Mark Milley. And um, according to a new book, he told Chinese officials that America wasn't going to attack China and that... Even if they would, even if they were going to, he would call them first and tell them about it. Um, and so people are going, wait a minute, what? Excuse me? Uh, Millie's staff released a statement today defending the calls that were made to China, saying that they were, quote, vital to reducing tensions and avoiding unintended consequences or conflict. This all happened, by the way, uh, allegedly, according to Woodward, during the Trump administration. Millie was one of the holdovers that's still there. Um, but Biden kept. And uh, Biden also, by the way, is is standing by Millie in the midst of all this. But um, in their defense of these calls to China, they also said they were trying to avoid the unintended consequences of conflict, maintaining that they were um, coordinated with high-level defense officials so that these, he's not just, you know, shooting midnight texts or something like that. Uh, so the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, this is their statement, regularly communicates with chiefs of defense across the world, including with China and Russia. These conversations remain vital to improving mutual understanding of U.S. national security interests, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's Milley spokesman Colonel Dave Butler. Butler also said that the calls um, with the Chinese and others in October and January were in keeping with the duties and responsibilities conveying reassurance in order to maintain strategic stability. So basically... The, the narrative being painted here is that Trump was, 
kind of a loose cannon. And so you ha this general just decided that he had to make this part of his job to make these calls to soothe everybody's nerves uh, around the country. But that line that's sticking out, if indeed true, it does seem like it could be problematic, which is that he said he would mm -hmm. call. It's, it's one thing to call and, and say, hey, look, I, you know, I know you guys are worried, but it's OK. You know, this, this is just part of the political language here right now. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, whatever you have to do to kind of diffuse tensions, get that. But the line about "we'll call you before we do anything," that kind of seemed a little bit one step too far. But um, uh, again, Milley was appointed in 2019 uh, as chairman of the Joint Chiefs and kept on by Biden. Uh, and so the role there, he doesn't command any troops, but he's more of an advisor to the president and to the Secretary of Defense. So number two on this one. Again, the allegation causing the biggest stir in the book uh, is it's in a book called Peril by Washington Post Bob Woodward and Robert Costa. And the general that Milley called uh, in the, is in the People's Liberation Army. And, and again, that was the problematic part is that he would warn a counterpart in the event of the attack. And here's here's the line, according to Woodward, and this hasn't been uh, confirmed or denied yet by Milley. So... He says, General Lee, I want to assure you that the American government is stable and everything is going to be okay. We are not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. And Trump, for his part, called the charges. He called for charges of treason if those were true. And uh, a lot of other people are echoing that sediment as well. I mean, you might, could you imagine that in reverse? I mean, would you think China would, is calling us before they run like their, you know, high tech hacking ops? Are they are they calling us and saying, hey, just want to let you know we're about to hack the Department of Defense and steal all your secrets. So uh, we're just going to go ahead and do that. No, of course they don't do that. I mean, it's ridiculous. So number three, why does it matter? Well, I mean, look, military leaders going rogue tray against yeah. income sitting administrations usually something you see in like venezuela or burma or haiti or something like that not america uh, so it's a troubling trend if these military leaders now feel like they have to go outside the chain of command and circumvent their regardless of what level it is that is not a good um that is certainly not a healthy thing for our country if that's indeed what's going on yeah it's a i mean it's definitely no uh, uh, like odd uh, an odd thing to be saying uh in his in millie's position yeah um to another country uh, presumably uh, you know without the president's knowledge um I don't, I don't know exactly how that how that went down obviously um but again it's just a, it's kind of a weird thing to be saying uh, again not that the diplomacy you have these kind of kinds of conversations from country to country but like you said i think and the, the part that people are so concerned about or so bothered by is the we'll let you know like we'll foretell for if anything's going to happen we'll give you a, we'll give you a warning uh that's that's where the where the problem is um and it's definitely concerning too in the middle of, of what's going on with Afghanistan. And it, it, as we learn more, the American people, I think, are getting more uh, insight into maybe how poor Biden is at ha handling a lot of this foreign policy stuff. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out, just because, uh, you know, foreign policy is, it doesn't seem like it's Biden's strength. No, um, but it was so, supposed to be. So, I mean, that was the whole reason he got put on the Obama ticket in the first place. But yeah, that's true. Nevertheless, here we we'll are. See. Yeah. Well, I think it was Robert Gates who said that um, 
uh, Biden in his 40, 50 year career has never been right about anything uh, foreign <laughs> policy wise. Um, so there's that. Um, but we'll move on to story number two. So the mayor of Schubert, Ohio, is calling on the entire education board to resign or face potential criminal charges over a high school course with material he said a judge called child pornography. So here are three things you need to know. We'll start, number one, with the details. So the mayor, Craig Schubert, uh, he shared his brief but poignant remarks yesterday evening, and they, they drew a little bit of attention. So here's an, uh, an audio clip of what he said. Members of the board, my name is Craig Schubert. I'm the mayor of this city. It has come to my attention that your educators are distributing essentially what is child pornography in the classroom. I've spoken to a judge this evening. She's already confirmed that. So I'm going to give you a simple choice. You either choose to resign from this Board of Education or you will be charged. Thank you. So obviously, as you can tell, it drew a lot of a lot of applause from the parents and, and other residents in, in the meeting. Uh, but according to the Akron Beacon Journal, several parents had been complaining for days and maybe weeks about writing prompts included in the 642 Things to Write About, which is a book that was part of a college credited course uh, at Hudson High School. So according to the newspaper, it said parents said there was a prompt that asked students, and some of this I have to warn you is a, is a bit disturbing, uh, to write a sex scene you wouldn't show your mom. And another which said rewrite the sex scene from above into one that you would let your mom read. And another prompt asked students to drink a beer and describe how it tastes. And parents said that they, they felt that these writings and others were not appropriate for high school students. Uh, one person told the newspaper that he was appalled by the content and asked for video cameras to be installed in the classroom so parents could monitor what kind of content their kids are being exposed to. And another person called the prompts disgusting and amounted and said they amounted to grooming. Uh, so number two, how's the school district responding? Well, Superintendent Phil Herman said that the inappropriate and offensive writing prompts were part of a resource used in a senior level college credited course. After learning about what was in the book, though, the district uh, said that they immediately determined that this writing resource should not be in the hands of our students. And on Monday, uh, Herman said they collected the books from the students enrolled in the course. Herman said that at no time were any of these inappropriate writing prompts assigned as part of the class. Uh, the Hudson's principals, the high school principal, Brian Wilch, admitted that the school did not exercise our due diligence in reviewing the book. Uh, so number three, why does it matter? Look, this is just another issue, Dan, and like a long, long <laughs> list uh, of issues that people seem to be having with the public school system over the last almost two years. Uh, so, it, you know, it's good that the school removed it, but I just don't understand why a district wouldn't thoroughly review the content before it was given to kids. Like there, those were just a couple of the prompts, the ones that I listed. There were like four or five different prompts and several parents complaining yes. and, and giving, you know, bringing receipts and like, this is in the book, this is in the book, this is in the book. So why was the school board not, you know, doing its due diligence like the principal said they yeah. should have way back when? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you'd think that they would... Um... I mean, any sane, again, here's the sanity part coming in, Trey, like you're, you're making a, a sane statement there, but it seems like people <laughs> want to push the envelopes in, in regards to education. And so they're willing to do this, maybe just hoping that some of it does. It's either laziness or they just don't see anything wrong with it, which both yeah. of those are a problem. 
yeah, I, it's just is bizarre to me. And it, it makes sense though of why so many people, and we've talked about this on the podcast, we've written about it at Faithwire and at CBN, why so many people are opting, you know, to pull their kids out of the public school system and either put them in private schools or, and this seems to be the bigger trend, more and more parents are just choosing to homeschool after a year yeah. of virtual school and they seeing the content that their kids are being exposed to, they said, you know, I can do this. There are resources available, uh, you know, at my fingertips nowadays. I can do this. I'll restructure my career and and we'll figure out how to do this from home. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people definitely making that choice. The numbers uh, appear to be going up. And even if it does, it's not a feasible fit for a lot of people just because of the way they've set up their careers and whatnot. Uh, it just seems like people feel like they've been backed into a corner with a lot of this extreme content. Yeah. They've got no other choice. Um, all right, let's uh, let's head into story number three here. Norm Macdonald, we mentioned it yesterday, he passed away at the age of 61. And uh, interesting faith journey that he's had on his life. You know, he wasn't overly um, open about his personal life, so we don't know for sure. But here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. I think it's interesting and worth going through. Um, for starters, McDonald never, he never really said if he was sick. I don't think, I don't, I don't recall seeing anything where he talked about, uh, the, the sick, yeah, the illness no. that he had, uh, his friend and producing partner, uh, Lori Joe, uh, Hoekstra, she said that, uh, Norm had wanted to keep his health struggles away from his friends and his family and his fans. He said he was proud of his comedy the most, and he didn't want this diagnosis to affect the way. Um, any audience or his family saw him. So he didn't want to be like, oh, he's the guy with, you know, cancer or, or whatever it is he specifically had. Um, she said he was a pure comic. He once wrote that a joke should catch someone by surprise. It should never pander. And he, he certainly never pandered. Norm will be missed greatly. So, uh, but in regards to his kind of his faith journey, he's made a lot of comments. And Trey, you wrote about this on CBN and Faithwire. Um, so if you want to look at all of the, uh, stuff that Trey found there that kind of chronicled sort of his um, subtle but comments on Christianity and faith nonetheless. And it, one of the things that stood out was in 2015 when he was a judge on Last Comic Standing, he kind of went after a contestant whose big joke was mocking Christianity during his routine. And Roseanne Barr was a judge and she kind of was like, hey, it was brave of you to go after the Bible, you know? I mean, because... <laughs> which is interesting that Hollywood views that as brave to them. It's bizarre. Uh, but when it came to McDonald, he said, I don't think Bible jokes are brave at all. He said, I think you're going to, if you're going to take on an entire religion, that maybe you should know what you're talking about. And so what he was referring to in the routine, this guy was kind of comparing, you know, a Harry Potter book to the Bible. So someone quoted the Bible at him and he said, well, I should be able to quote my favorite book back. And he, he kind of thought it was funny to say Harry Potter. But then Norm points out that JK Rowling is a Christian who said um, her novels were inspired by Christianity. If, if you knew the Bible, you'd know what the end of the novel was going to be. Uh, so that was what Norm said. So uh, that was just one example. But uh, number two, the other side of this, um, Norm isn't just an obvious Christian. In a separate interview, uh, he suggested that he felt more at home in Judaism, telling uh, the news anchor that he was on a, quote, spiritual journey. He said, I believe there's a God, but I'm unsure of his nature. So I consult a rabbi often because there's because they're the people that know the Bible the best. I've had more time with Judaism than any other, any other religion. So it's not like a slam dunk that he was this practicing Christian. But as I said in the article, you can see some of those 
comments, but I wanted to save number three here, why it matters. Look, Norm passing at 61, Trey, it reminds us that life is fragile and and that there's only really one decision in life that truly matters, and it's where you place your faith. And so it's interesting to me because Norm really fixated on that question, which I think is yeah. the right instinct to have. Uh, but here is one exchange that I found that I thought was interesting to bring up. He, he did talk about the rabbi, said I talked to him a lot. And he said, my pastor, so assuming he goes to church, he said, doesn't know anything. He said, I mean anything. He's a pleasant guy. If you ask him a direct question, he'll go, what? Didn't you hear my sermon? He said, but but his sermon's always like, quote, how to be a nice fella or some nonsense, uh, which I found interesting because it sounds like he was kind of put off by anything that was pandering or fluffy, like, like God loves you and just kind of tap your shoulder and affirm you and where you're at instead of talk about, you know, your your status as a sinner and what that means and where you're going to be going without a savior instead of something that's biting and true. Um, so I'll just leave it here with this quote that he said. This, this is very interesting. He wrote, some people believe that, or he didn't write, he, he said this during a podcast. He said, some people believe that man is divine, kind of like a hippie idea. I can't believe that because I know my own heart and I know that's not true. Other people believe that we're wretched and we're like the cynics or the atheists would believe we're all just wretched nothingness, just animals, just creature. I can't believe that. It doesn't make any sense that we're just beasts. I will say that Christianity has this interesting compromise where we're both divine and wretched, and there's this middleman that's the savior that's through him we can become divine, but we're born wretched. I kind of like that one because it sort of makes sense. <laughs> so you can see he was really thinking this out and really kind of leaning in that direction. So, you know, he's he's made it home now, so I hope that he placed his faith in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's really interesting to go back and listen to some of the interviews that he did and kind of chronicle his comments about faith, because uh, that initial comment where he said he's unsure of God's nature and that he feels more at home in Judaism, mm -hmm. that was in, in one interview with Larry King. Uh, and then in another interview, a couple of years apart with Larry King, he said that he does identify as a Christian. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, and Nor, I mean, and uh, Larry asked him, you know, well, you know, what does it mean to believe? And then he said, well, I don't really believe. I just have faith. Like, you know, I you just know. He said to believe doesn't necessarily. He said he are, he suggested that they're not the same. And Larry was kind of confused. And he said, well, I mean, then they started talking about DNA. And he's like, well, do you believe in DNA? And Norm said, I don't believe in DNA. He said, essentially saying, it's like, I don't, it's not something that I understand. It's just something that is. So it's not, it's not that I believe in it or don't believe in it. He said, it's just, it is. So I trust that DNA exists. And he kind of equated that to, to trusting that God exists. So it's, it's kind of an interesting, he really did have an interesting way of, of understanding faith and kind of exploring it. So yeah. uh, if you have a few minutes, I would encourage you to go over to faithware.com or CBN News. Uh, dot com and and watch some of those clips because they're they're embedded in our story. So, all right, story number four. Well, Bella Taylor Smith, she's a member of the international megachurch Hillsong, won the Australian version of The Voice Sunday alongside her coach, who is also a Christian. So here are three things you need to know. We'll start number one with the details. So a music teacher by trade, the 23-year-old singer emerged the winner after performing Andrea Bocelli's The Prayer with her coach, Guy Sebastian, who described Smith as a phenomenal talent and one of the purest voices I've ever heard. Uh, Smith said, I can't really believe it, uh, talking about her win. She said, I can't wait to see what incredible things are ahead for me. I'm really grateful for you, talking about her coach, for everyone who voted, and for my family 
uh, my beautiful family whom I love. And in a Facebook post the night before the finale, so on Saturday, the contestant thanked her friends, family, and church community for their support and added, honestly and most importantly, I want to thank Jesus for giving me hope and a beautiful life to live. Uh, so Smith, who again, like, like I said, is a music teacher, she won $100,000 and a record deal. And she said that she plans to pay off her bills during an, an interview on Sunrise, an, an Australian show. Uh, she also plans to get her life together, she said, and then take a vacation once Australia lifts its COVID lockdowns. Though, like we've talked about before, Dan, I'm, I'm really not sure when that's going to happen, but I, I'm sure she's looking forward to that vacation whenever it does happen. Um, so uh, number two here. Like apparently there were also a lot of people, and I didn't real, I didn't think this would happen, but there were a lot of people on social media who were criticizing Smith and The Voice, not because necessarily she was a Christian, uh, but because they claimed that the show was rigged in her favor because she was affiliated with Hillsong. Uh, so Smith's fans that were quick to voice their support. Uh, I don't recall Hillsong being mentioned during the finals, and even if it was, so what, wrote one supporter. Bella wowed everyone with her voice, and she gave thanks to the one who ultimately uh, gave her that gift. Congratulations, Bella. And another described Smith as amazing, writing she is beautiful and deserved the win. Uh, there is nothing wrong with having faith, that person added, wishing her the best for the future. Uh, so number three, why does it matter? Look, like we said at the top, it's just good when we can end on a on a positive story, a positive note, because it seems like, uh, you know, whenever you get the, the, the negative stories just weigh so much heavier yeah. on you. Um, so, you know, whenever you can kind of come up for air with a positive story, it's nice. And, you know, we need as many as we can, uh, many of this, as many of those stories as we can get these days. So from from faith liar to to bella congratulations <laughs> yes. on your on your victory that's pretty cool yes that's very cool and uh definitely good to end it on a, a high note because man there's just there's so much chaos going on in afghanistan yep. everything else all these heavy issues so great to see um faith moving forward i mean look we can't forget that we have a god whose will will be done no matter what his church will be established you know his you know it, all of his plans will come to fruition so we can rest yeah. easy in that so all right that's all the time we have for today god bless we'll see you back here tomorrow take care have a great rest of the day <laughs>